Welcome back, Mets fans. Raise the apple. Episode number 100. 100th episode. And we have a guest at the end of the episode today. Jack from Daily Dose of Baseball on TikTok will be joining the show. So we're going to talk about everything now. And then at the end of the show, we're going to slot in the interview. It's going to be a great interview, great episode. And let's dive right into it. With the Mets struggling question mark struggling a little bit on the west coast they split the four game series with the dodgers they lost two out of three to the padres they won game one got shut out uh two nights ago got crapped on last night bassett was just not good uh mets twitter continuing to freak out wanting bassett either dumped or to the bullpen i can't tell if people are being serious or not but uh, Bassett is probably the when everyone is back healthy, probably the number three or four starter. Obviously, you got Degrom and Scherzer one two. McGill's probably McGill or Bassett probably interchangeable at three or four, and then at five you're looking at Cookie or Taiwan Walker or David Peterson. The Mets have a lot of options, which is great, but with injuries right now, McGill should be back soon, which is good. But you got a long way until Scherzer and Degrom are back, and but when. They pulled up a graphic last night, and when you look at the numbers of Chris Bassett, he started the year with an ERA of like two and a half, and his ERA in his last seven starts is over just over five. A lot of those struggles have been against the NL West. He struggled against the Dodgers. He got crapped on against the Giants. He got crapped on last night against the Padres. So a lot of his struggles this year have been against the NL West. And if he can figure out the NL West, I ha- I'm not worried. He's shown that he's a reliable arm in that rotation. I'm not worried yet. I'm not freaking out yet pushing the panic button. I know the Braves have won. I believe it's seven. The Braves have won seven in a row. Let me double check here. And the Phillies have won six, I think. We'll talk more about the Phillies uh, in a little bit. Yeah, the lead is now seven games. The Braves have won seven straight. The Phillies have won six straight, who are nine and a half back, and then the Braves being seven back. So... It shrunk a little. The lead has shrunk a little, but that was as expected. At the beginning of the year, I said this, that the Mets, have to, if they're going to get off this hot start and they're going to sustain it the whole year, they have to know that the Braves are not going to stink for the entire year. The Braves were going to, are going to catch fire and make up some ground, and surely here they come, just like they did last year. The Mets were in first for over 100 games last year, and then came the Braves, and it's happening again. We're about... 50 or 60 games into the season, here come the Braves. They got off to a horrible start, but they're they're the defending world champs for a reason. They're not going to go away quietly. They're not, the Mets aren't going to blow them out of the water. I see. I still see this division coming down to the final week or so of the season. But with the Phillies and Braves coming for the Mets, the Mets have to step up. But last night, or excuse me, two nights ago, they had a little bit of an injury scare with Pete Alonso and Starling Marte. Thankfully, they're both just t- they're both day-to-day. Pete with his hand, uh, Marte with, I believe it's his quad. And so, thankfully, no IL because the fir- initial fear with Pete especially was that it was a broken hand and then he was going to be out for a long time. Thankfully, x-rays were negative. Nothing's broken. They're both going to be day-to-day. A much, much-needed day off for this team today. Kind of reset. Then they head to Anaheim to face the Angels for three games. Do they see Syndergaard? I think they do. I want to say Saturday, maybe. So we look at the pitching matchup of this series. Tomorrow is McGill. 
Oh, McGill returns tomorrow against TBD for the Angels. Uh, Carrasco on Saturday versus TBD for the Angels. And Sunday is Taiwan Walker versus TBD. I believe uh, Syndergaard is one of those games. I think it's Saturday's game. Not 100% sure, but we should see Syndergaard in this series, which should be a lot of fun to watch. I did not realize that uh, Tyler McGill comes back tomorrow. That's huge for the rotation. So now you're looking at McGill, Bassett, David Peterson, Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco. That's still not a bad rotation. It's significantly better when you add Scherzer and Jacob deGrom to it. But the way it stands right now, that's that's really not a bad rotation going forward to keep the, keep the momentum going. The offense has only been shut out twice this year. Both times we're on this road trip. So I, I'm not worried I'm not pressing the panic button or anything like that, but the Mets do have to be wary that the Phillies and Braves, especially the Braves, are coming, and they are coming quick. So after these three games in Anaheim, I believe the Mets come back home for a little bit before they head on the road again. West Coast games are so hard to watch because staying up till 1 or 2 in the morning watching the end of a game sometimes is very difficult to do, but... They will be out of the West Coast after this weekend. Then they're home again. They're off again on Monday, and then home against the Brewers and the Marlins before they head out on the road again. We'll see the Marlins for the first time this year. Same with the Brewers. The Marlins pitching Sandy Alcantara has been fantastic, so that should be a lot of fun to watch. With sticking in the NL East, before we talk about some changes in the NL East, Steven Strasburg is back today for the Nationals. That is. They need him back desperately. The Nationals have been just absolutely horrendous this year. It's great to have him back. Uh, I still work at a minor league baseball stadium, and I got to watch Steven Strasburg, uh, one of his rehab starts. He's a big guy up close. I got, pro I was able to get within about probably 40 feet or so. He's a pretty big dude. But he looked great in his rehab start. He went, I believe it was six innings, only gave up the one hit, left to left to a standing ovation. He's not throwing 99 like he used to. He topped out about 92-ish, 92-93 maybe, mostly around 91-92. But it's good. it is great for – he has pitched about 20 innings or so since June of last year, since the World Series, since they won the World Series really because he had – thoracic outlet uh, syndrome surgery, which is the same surgery that Harvey had. It's very, very difficult to come back from that, but it's great that Strasburg's back. The Nationals need him, uh, and he's been great on his rehab, so that should be a very good sign for the Nationals that hopefully they can get whatever's left to Steven Strasburg. They can get it out of him. In the NLE still, uh, well, really the NLE and the out west, so we had two, our first two managers canned in the early part of the season. Both Joes, Joe Girardi and Joe Madden, have both been fired. Joe Girardi, the manager of the Phillies. Joe Madden, the manager of the Angels. The Angels have lost 14 straight. Did they crack that last night? I didn't see the score of the Angels game. They did not. They have lost 14 straight after starting so great. They have fallen apart. They've lost 14. The Mets are hitting them at the perfect time. So Joe Madden's out in Anaheim. I don't. I think that was a a little too 
strict of a leash with Madden, considering how great the Angels have been to start the year. They're finally starting to put things together with Otani and Trout and Jared Walsh and Tyler Wade. They've tried. They've started putting things together. I think that was a little too soon for Joe Madden to get fired, but not too soon for Joe Girardi. I think this was. I didn't want Joe Girardi fired, but it was kind of long overdue. The Phillies have had such high expectations. Their starting rotation's been average. Their offense is supposed to mash. They've struggled. But their bullpen has just been so bad, especially the last two years. Their bullpen has been so atrocious, and they've really done nothing to address it. They brought in Jerry's Familia and Brad Hand. Both When they were both with the Mets, they had very shaky outings a lot of the time. So they've really done nothing to try and bolster that bullpen as much as possible. They're just relying on that offense absolutely crushing, and no one is really crushing besides Bryce Harper. So it was kind of expected, and they've been about 500 since Girardi took the reign, and the Phillies have supposed to been turning things around. So it was kind of expected that Girardi was going to get fired. I was kind of unexpected with Joe Madden. I did not expect that. I did not think they'd have that tight of a leash on him. But that just shows, you know, I hate when teams underperform and the managers get punished. But like I said with Girardi, it was kind of long overdue. And with Joe Madden, I think it was very a very tight leash, I, sh- I should say. It was not, I, I wouldn't have fired him if I were the in charge of the Angels. I don't think it was at that point yet. But 14 games in a row is, that is pretty bad. But uh, the... The Phillies have not lost since they fired Girardi. So the Phillies are getting hot. The Braves are getting hot. The Mets have struggled a touch on this road trip, but if they can get back, take a reset day today on the off day, and then pound on the Angels this weekend, considering they've lost 14 straight, that would be ideal. The Mets have to win two out of three in this series. Uh, I, If the Mets do not win two out of three against the Angels, it that would be a slight question mark, maybe a little raising the eyebrows a little bit, but two out of three year sweeps what we're going for here. Just keep winning series. If the Mets keep winning series, they'll be fine no matter what the Braves do, no matter what the Phillies do. If the Mets just keep winning series, the Mets will be fine. But speaking of the Angels, it brings us to the end of today with this day in baseball history. How fitting that the Angels have lost 14 straight. On this day in 1906, a 19-game losing streak ends for the Boston Bean Eaters with a 6-3 win over the St. Louis Cardinals. 19 games in a What is the longest losing streak in MLB history? 26 games by the 1889 Louisville Colonels. At 26 games, though the 1875 Brooklyn Atlantics lost 31 consecutive games. In the National Association, a number that is not considered official by MLB standards. 26 games in a row. Wow. Hopefully the Angels don't get to that point. That would be absolutely horrible if they do. Uh, wow, 26 games. Dang. Well, the Angels are 14, so they're getting closer and closer to there. But that's all we got to talk about for today's episode of Raise the Apple. Next up on this podcast is our interview with Jack from Daily Dose of Baseball. It was a lot of fun. Make sure you guys stick around for it. And without further ado, here's our second guest in the history of Raise the Apple, Jack from Daily Dose of Baseball. All right, everyone, we're here with Jack from Daily Dose of Baseball. Jack, thanks for coming on today. 
Uh, how are we doing today? Thank you so much for having me, first of all, and I'm doing great, honestly, you know, uh, college is over, I'm just enjoying the baseball season right now, and um, I don't love how offense is down, though, that's my only problem, <laughs> I don't love watching baseball and seeing like four or five runs scored a game, but unless you're a Phillies fan yesterday, I'm sure you love the game. Yeah, <laughs> I can relate with the, the college part two being done, trying to just sit back and watch the game. Uh, oh, yeah. So with baseball right now, obviously with the offseason and the lockout, and it's kind of in a little bit of a messy situation, so I'm uh, curious as to your uh, perspective on where the game of baseball is right now. Um, Well, I think the game of baseball right now, considering that the lockout was a very, very long time if you're a baseball fan. I mean, it was, what, like three months? Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, isn't that long in perspective. I mean, it's a quarter of a year if you look at it like from a, from a larger perspective. But, I mean, I think the lockout definitely definitely turned off a lot of baseball fans, I would say. I think it definitely um, created two sides, I think. One side was in uh, league with the owners, and one side is in league with the fans. And then you have this middle ground where I think I was, who just doesn't care and wants baseball back. That's where I was the entire time during the lockout. Um, and considering how interest in baseball has been dwindling over the past few seasons, I mean, ratings were up last season which mm-hmm. is great, but um, yeah, it just, it, it wasn't a good time, but now I think baseball's in a much better spot, I mean, now that it's actually playing, Nashville's going to be in a better spot, but the dead balls, man, they are annoying, <laughs> yeah. I'll say right now, they are very, very annoying, I I, I absolutely hate it, but uh, you could have this kind of conversation for hours, so I think it, based, the state of MLB is glad that the lockout's over, but they are desperately going to need to figure out what to do with dead balls. Do they, do they bring back the juice mm-hmm. ones? Do they make completely different balls? Do they stick with the dead balls? Like, what are they going to do? Because I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I think I would agree to that because it seems that it keeps changing back and forth one way or the other. So if they're going to manipulate the balls in any way, it, I feel like it's got to be one way or the other. Like, having it right. mixing it up every other night is just annoying. Yeah, it's cool when pitchers go out there and throw – a no-hitter or a complete game shutout or all that, but when you look at a team like the Phillies, who are supposed to just absolutely mash night after night, and they, they're they not quite doing that yet, so that that's something definitely that I would... Definitely not under Girardi they were, but they've won, like, what, like six straight since they relieved Girardi or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, they, I don't that's think ridiculous. they've lost since they've lost Girardi, which I could we could kind of talk about that. What do you think about the Phillies relieving Girardi. To me it seemed like it was kind of inevitable. I don't I feel I feel like it they were temp I would have been tempted to do it a little sooner than they did considering ever since Girardi has uh, took over in Philly they've been around 500 since then. So what do you what is your take on the Phillies ditching Girardi? It's an interesting thing that you brought that up cuz I had no idea they were around 500. I thought they were weren't they a winning team last year were they were they 80 and 82? Something like they, they were like 82 and 80 or 80 and 82, something like that. They were just over or just under. Yeah, it seems like with the Phillies of, it seems like that's kind of how they played the last few seasons, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with Girardi getting fired, I mean, yeah, it was inevitable because they had huge expectations for them last season, as they have for the past few seasons, and they just haven't lived up to them. Um, I will say, though, with the Phillies not starting off well, I think someone definitely had to take the fall. And usually it's going to be the manager who takes the fall for them because what are you going to do, fire the players? No, they're your players. So mm-hmm. someone's going to go down, and they're not going to fire the GM, what, like 50 games into the yeah. season? <laughs> so they're not going to do that. So someone had to take the fall for them. Unfortunately, it was Girardi. I mean, 
he really didn't have much to work with, in all fairness, because Harper has a broken elbow, basically. And yeah. he's still killing it. Um, Schwarber hasn't been playing as well. Castellanos hasn't been playing as well. Those, those big additions haven't been you know, living up to the expectations that Phillies fans have set for them. and Pretty much all baseball fans have set for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone had to take the fall. It was going to be Girardi, and it's just unfortunate because he made so many awful decisions with the bullpen, but their bullpen is basically non-existent. Their arms are so bad. Yeah. So it seems like whatever he did, whenever he pulled a starting pitcher, it was going to be the wrong move, and he just had to take the ball, and, well, it's just unfortunate for him. I mean, a lot of it was his fault. Mm-hmm. Like, he made a lot of bad managerial decisions, but I do think that he was going to get fired at some point this season. I did not think it was going to be this soon. Um, but, yeah, just an unfortunate situation for him. Tough scene, and uh, hopefully the Phillies end up playing well the rest of the season. Yeah, I can uh, I can speak from being a Mets fan with the Mets bullpen issues from time to time. With the Phillies bullpen, it just seems it's it's like how can they possibly top themselves in blowing a game? It was earlier in the year when they did just they came back and then they blew it, and it's just like how it's with the Phillies bullpen. They they brought in uh, Brad Hand and Familia, but Brad Hand and Familia with towards the end of their time with the Mets were not very good. Familia had his moments, but for Absolutely. had a lot of shaky spot, spots as well. Same with Brad Hand, but right. it's like that bullpen is just every night. It's almost like how can they possibly be worse than they were last time? Absolutely, no, that, that's so accurate. And I mean, I can't name you a single Phillies arm in that bullpen other than Familia and Hand. Who mm-hmm. is Hand even still in it? Did he get DFA'd? I thought he got DFA'd. Am I he, wrong? He might have. I don't know. I haven't seen that yet. I know I'm that not a, I'm not actually sure. I could. I'm probably wrong about that but I mean honestly the Phillies need to go out and trade for Josh Hader I was gonna Mm -hmm. say now they need they need an elite arm in that bullpen and they don't have one they need an arm to close it down and honestly Corey Knable's not that guy Mm -hmm. he's not that guy I mean he was good in Milwaukee a few years ago but that was in what like 2018 yeah it's 2022 now I mean he's gotten he's gotten injured he bounced back with the Dodgers big time in the short se- shortened season, I think, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. He, he got a decent contract from Philadelphia, and he's just he's kind of there by default. Yeah. He's kind of closing out games by default because he has experience doing it. He hasn't been good at it since 2018. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who else would you throw there? What, Familia? I mean, he's not reliable. Hand? We've seen what he how bad he could be. Mm-hmm. I mean... The, the Phillies don't have any options right now. They really don't. Sir Anthony Dominguez isn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen? Literally nothing. He's going to roll with it him the rest of the season or trade somebody at the trade deadline. But what are you going to do? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see how they're going to do it. Yeah, with Familia, when he was with the Mets, Familia was kind of that wild card. It was either he's going to come in and he's going to be lights out, absolutely dominant, or he was just going to absolutely implode. And you were on the edge of your seat every night watching Familia because you were like, which Familia are we getting tonight? Are we getting all-star Familia or are we getting <laughs> blow-up Familia? But uh, right. Hater, you bring up a good point with Hater. So I fully, and uh, I shouldn't say fully anticipate, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded by the deadline. Besides Hater, who, what other big-name guys do you think the deadline's what, end of July, right? End of July, early August? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So besides Hater, who are some other guys that – some other big name guys that could potentially be on the move that maybe people aren't expecting or could be a bit of a surprise that's a good question I haven't even thought about that um 
Are we just talking pitch? Are we just talking starters or bullpen or bullpen pitchers right now? Or just anyone? Uh, really, anyone, anyone, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, other than Hader, I mean, I'm look. I'm thinking about some non-contending teams right now, and the first one that comes to mind is Frankie Montas. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had a good season with Oakland. I really did think he was going to get traded before the season even started because Manaya got traded, Olsen got traded, Chapman got traded, and he's still there. So I figured, okay, maybe they're just waiting for his value to go up if possible, but I guess that's what the A's are waiting for. Um, so I think he's going to be one of the top five um, players that's going to get traded. Another one that's a sneaky good player that I think is going to get traded is Josh Bell. He's had such a good season for the Nationals, and I mean, he's been one of the most underrated first basemen in baseball over mm-hmm. the last couple of seasons, and I definitely see him having a lot of value to a contending team. I don't know. I mean, maybe the, uh, maybe the Brewers, if they want to DH him. Ooh, I that'd mean, be a good spot for him. I think that'd be a great spot, because the Brewers offense is borderline non-existent. I mean, it's been fine this season, mm-hmm. but it's been below average. I think it's been below average the last couple of seasons. I mean, with Yelich on the down and out, I mean, they don't exactly have an elite bat in that lineup. And mm-hmm. although Bell is an elite, he'll get the job done for sure. Um, I originally said that Juan Soto was going to be the was going to be the hot commodity, but we've since learned that he's not going anywhere. Yeah. So that's interesting. Luis Castillo, I think, could be getting moved because mm-hmm. he's been on the trade. He's been on the. Uh, He's been in trade rumors for the last couple of seasons, but he hasn't gone anywhere. And honestly, his value isn't going to get any higher. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. He, he hasn't looked good to start the season. I mean, he's looked better now. But he didn't look good. So his value's not going up. So he might as well trade him now. Um, maybe Tommy Pham. Um, and I, I think that's kind of it. I mean, there's not a lot of great players on bad teams right now, mm-hmm. I must admit. Not that I can think of. Yeah, I was think, thinking with... The Nat, those are three perfect teams you bring up with the A's, the Reds, and the Nationals. All three, especially the watching a lot of the Nationals early on in the year playing the the Mets. The Nationals have just looked absolutely horrible. Like if I were a Nationals fan, that would be very tough to watch right now. But they do get Strasburg back today, which very excited for that. Ma- maybe so- that'll help them. I don't know how much, but Bell maybe. being on the move, Bell. I like Bell in Milwaukee. I think that would be a a great option. For them. I don't see him going anywhere else, honestly. I mean, the Brewers need a bat. I mean, mm-hmm. if they're not going for bats at the deadline, I don't know what they're doing. Their starting rotation is a top-five rotation baseball, easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with Peralta injured, they still have great arms in there. And Aaron Ashby is going to take over his spot. I mean, you got to love being a Brewers fan right now. Yeah. If you're a Brewers fan, you got to be loving life, but you need an offensive piece. Yeah, yeah especially when they get to taking advantage of – Right now, with how poor this poorly playing the cent that was bad choice of words there, but how bad the central has been outside of the Cardinals and the Brewers this year, especially taking right. advantage of that opportunity. And you do have Christian Yelich, even though he's was his back last year. Yeah, I think, I think so. it was. So if hopefully if you can get somewhat close to MVP Yelich back or even half of that, if they can go get another bat, that's it's really their. I see it as their division to lose at this point. But the Cardinals are the Cardinals. They're they'll always find a way to stick around somehow. Absolutely, they've they've looked really really good this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Goldschmidt playing out of his mind the past what like month, mm-hmm. and Tommy Edmund playing well. I mean, like you said, it is the Brewers' division to win, but the Cardinals are going to make it close for sure. Oh yeah, and uh, kind of sticking with the trades a little bit, if shifting gears to the American League in the AL West. 
a the Angels have were off to a great start. <laughs> They've lost fourteen in a row. Then they fight. It's fourteen now. Yeah, it's fourteen oh. now. I they fired Joe Madden. Do you think that that was the right call, or do they need to go out and trade and get some more help, or what? What do you think's going on in Anaheim right now? Um, I think with firing Joe Madden, I mean, I haven't really watched a lot of him this season, but just looking at his history, he's an incredible manager, from mm -hmm. what I can tell. Um, I don't love that move. I don't think that it was the manager's fault that they lost 14 straight. I just think they ran into horrible circumstances and mm -hmm. just just poor play. I mean, the pieces on their roster right now are that they look fine. I mean, you know, I mean, I think, you know, do a better shortstop, Andrew Velasquez, mm -hmm. Orioles fan. We had him for a little bit. Not exactly an all-star caliber shortstop. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. um, but the pieces on the roster are really good. I mean, you got a unfortunately no longer healthy Trout. I mean, Taylor Ward played out of his mind. He's now injured again. Anthony Rendon, I mean, when he's healthy, he's good. I mean, he hasn't been great. But the pieces on the roster right now are fine. They're just injured. That's the problem. Yeah. And um, their rotation has been fine. I mean, Patrick Sandoval is one of the most underrated arms in baseball. I mean, Noah Syndergaard's bounced back and, look, and has looked better. Uh, um, Noah. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, you're a Mets fan. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about that? How do you feel about him starting to actually, like, be healthy again? What's so, that look like? So I'm glad he's healthy, and I'm glad he's kind of finding his groove. Since the his comment about the when the Mets threw the combined no-hitter, he had his comment that it was a fake no-hitter. And ever since then, uh, his ERA has been over 8.5, so he's struggled since then. But uh, the most... <laughs> It was tough to see Syndergaard go, especially the fact that the Mets qualifying offer they gave him was for, I believe it was $18 million. And then the deal he took with the Angels was for 19.3. So that, he literally, he left for an extra million bucks, which sucks. But really? they'll face, yeah. I think, they're off today, so, t and when they're in Anaheim this weekend, it's either tomorrow, I think it's Saturday though, either tomorrow or Saturday they face off with Syndergaard. And well, that'll be interesting for no, sure. Knowing Mets luck, Syndergaard's gonna go throw a perfect game or something like that. I was literally had to say that. Knowing <laughs> the Mets luck, he's going to throw a no hitter. You yeah, gotta, I mean, you, you gotta just expect it to happen. But going back to the Angels, um, I don't love the firing of Joe Madden, but similar to Joe Girardi, someone had to take the fall. Mm -hmm. And usually it's gonna be the manager because again, what are you gonna do? Fire the entire offense for not playing well? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I thought with so, what was yeah, that? Oh, uh, with Madden, I thought it was a very tight leash they had. It was a very normally if they go if teams go on long losing streaks like that, it's not right during that losing streak that they make a change like that. I thought it was very if they were going to fire Joe Madden, that's one thing. But I thought the timing of it, I thought it was a very tight leash they had, or it seemed that way with agree. him. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that I think that the Angels wanted to fire him from the beginning. I'm not gonna lie because like why like like you said why would you fire him during a losing streak? You wait till it's over and then if, and then evaluate thereafter because mm -hmm. a 14 game losing streak doesn't just happen. That doesn't just happen in any given season. Like five or six games, okay, that's fine. But 14 that literally took them out of first place. Mm -hmm. Like they they have the, the the division locked up for the first month or so, and 14 games that's that's a half a month of games you've lost. Like. That's absurd to me. I, I I still can't fathom it. Fourteen games. <laughs> I'm an Orioles fan, and we haven't lost fourteen games before. <laughs> like, damn, that's crazy to me. But um, I I think that the Angels were kind of wanting to get rid of Madden. I just I think it was horrible timing. But they're gonna break out of that losing streak. They're gonna start playing well again at some point. Once Trout's healthy, once Ward's healthy, 
they're going to look way better. Once Otani, oh, I didn't mention Otani yet. Once he starts playing better, the Angels are going to be hopefully a uh, division contender, if not a wild card contender. But um, yeah, I, Madden had to take the fall. We all, mm-hmm. I think, saw it coming. Yeah, with the Angels, I have them. When I was looking at like preseason predictions, almost I had the Angels as kind of a sleeper. I didn't think, I didn't know if they were able to get by Houston because it seems like Houston's going to continue to run the West. But I knew they were definitely in the conversation for a wild card spot. But with one last thing with the Angels, do you think with Otani, do you think that he's going to be able to do both his entire career, or do you think he's going to eventually have to pick one, and which one do you think would be best for him? Oh, I like that. (laughs) I love that question. Um, I mean, he's what? He's done both for the first, what, has he been here for five years now, I think? I think so, yeah. Four four or five. I think it's I think it's five. I'm probably wrong. Either way, um, I think he's gonna have to choose one at some point because he's already gotten Tommy John surgery and he played through that. He actually like he was, he was playing through Tommy John, which is crazy to me. I don't know how he possibly how he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, he played exceptionally well last year. He was incredibly good at both uh, pitching and hitting last year. Um, he hasn't been great offensively this year. I mean, he hasn't been bad, but he's kind of average offensively this year. Pitching-wise, he's been okay. Um, but I think as his body starts to break down just with age, naturally, um, I think he's going to end up just becoming either a full-time pitcher or a full-time hitter. And if I had to choose one, I would personally rather have, have his bat over his arm. Mm-hmm. Because with his arm, you're getting that, what, 30 times a year if you're lucky. Um, and he hasn't pitched 30 games, 30 games in a season so far. He hasn't done that yet. Yeah. Um, He's played, what, like 140 games in a season, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many it was last year. But offensively, he's a top 30 player. I think it's safe to say. Maybe top 20. Um, but I'd rather value his bat over his arm because arms are replaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, good bats are really hard to find, I feel. or maybe No, it's the other way around. I'm sorry. His bat is replaceable. Good arms are hard to find. But when you, when you have Otani's production, I mean, stick him at the DH spot. And you're fine there. You don't have to worry about that spot. There's one less spot in the diamond you got to worry about filling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people who'd rather have his arm over his bat, and I know the other way around. I mean, I personally value good pitching, but I can't deny how good of a hitter he is. Mm-hmm. That's how, I think I would think the same way because, like, yeah, he's, his pitching's good, but I think his bat is just so much better that it's that you got to take advantage and get as much out of his bat as possible, especially with last year. He was, I think it was one of the Sunday night ESPN games. He threw a hundred and then the next inning he came up to hit and absolutely just crushed one. I so, remember that. That was so much fun to see. It was like his bat is just, his arm, yeah, it's good. but And it would be great in that Angels rotation, but his bat is just so much better. And given everyone else in that lineup with what they're capable of doing, with like Trout and Rendon and all those guys, I feel like it's very hard to are to not put his bat in that lineup as he's getting older. I would agree with you there. I would agree with you. Uh, let's talk about uh, your hat with the Baltimore right. Orioles. So I'm on my Birdland, baby. Let's go. <laughs> what's going? What's uh, what's going on in Baltimore now? So in Baltimore, we're still losing, <laughs> but we look better this season. We haven't looked this good since 2016 when we made the postseason, and that says a lot. Um. 
I mean, I like the roster we have right now. I mean, it's a lot of guys who are kind of washed, and a lot of young guys. We have Adley Rutschman is finally up in the majors. Thank God. Uh, it's so wonderful to see him. Uh, he hasn't started playing well yet. He hasn't acclimated to major league pitching yet, I don't think. Safe to say. He's played, mm-hmm. like, what, 16 games? He's hitting, like, one-something. Mm-hmm. So he's not playing well yet. But there's, I, I don't have major expectations from this season. I mean, it takes a little bit for players to get used to major league pitching, unless you're Shohei Otani and you just come out swinging. But um, he's, I, I lo- I'm loving what I've been seeing from, from this Oriole lineup. I mean, Mount Castle has looked great, I think. I mean, for Oriole standards, he's looked really good. I love the fact we have Ruben Odor. Oh, my God. Oh, Odor is still that. Odor's still around? He is. He's oh, my, I didn't even he's know our, this. He's that. our starting second baseman, bro. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, he, he, he looks good. I, I, I like what I've been seeing from him. Uh, Mullins hasn't been playing well compared to last year, but I knew he was kind of going to kind of fall off. Mm-hmm. But uh, he'll he'll come around. Austin Hayes has been one of the one of the best outfielders in baseball, low key, very very low key. I'd say that like, he's been like a top ten outfielder. Mm-hmm. I'd say that. Um, and Trey Mancini's healthy and, and playing well. I love I, I've been loving watching this, these Orioles play. Just don't look at left field and Camden Yards. It doesn't look good. Yeah, that was kind of going to be like my it. next question with that because it's it has not. I have yet to see any good reviews about left field right now. <laughs> there are none. There are absolutely none. You will not. You will not find any good reviews from me when it comes to left field. It does. And as much as I hate the Yankees, I'm not a Yankee fan. I I'm biased a lot, but not in my videos. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I'm a biased ass Orioles fan when I'm talking to my friends but in my videos I, I try not to be I try not to show my bias but I'm kind of agreeing with Aaron Judge it does look like a creative stadium it really does yeah I mean like it, it just looks horrible like you raised up the elevation a little bit in the stands so uh, with the wall and stuff like that it just it doesn't look good mm-hmm. I mean I, I like the fact that there's not as many home runs being hit in Camden Yards it's great and all but it looks horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's st- Camden Yards is still a gorgeous stadium, don't get me wrong. It's still one of the top five best stadiums in baseball, easily. But that left field wall needs to go. Yeah, I was looking at it, and I was like, okay, they want to make changes to the wall, that's one thing. But then I was looking at it, and I was like, I feel like they definitely could have made that look better. a lot better yeah. than what it does, because it looks really odd it does, the, way it, the way it is. That's the best way to put it. It doesn't look horrible. It looks odd. It mm-hmm. just—it's it, just—it it looks like it shouldn't be there. Yeah, <laughs> and then it really does look like a crazy, crazy stadium. It's crazy. I hate it. It's yeah, cool. I was watching a couple Orioles highlights, and then I was super confused. I was like, "Wait, that looks different." And then I was like, and then I looked and saw that they changed the wall, and then I saw Judge's comment, and I was like, "Yep, that's the only time I'll ever agree with the Yankees." Is—is is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't usually agree with anything the Yankees do or say, because I'm an Orioles fan. Mm-hmm. But I can't deny it. It doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. And there's like this little this little tiny dip in by the left field foul pole where I've seen a lot of home runs get hit. And it's just like, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it just it, it just doesn't look like it should be there. It really <laughs> doesn't. And it's just so sad because I love Camden Yards, but it doesn't look pretty. Mm-hmm. So with the Orioles, you mentioned Adley Rutschman. By the way, his major league debut, that video of when he first ran onto the field and they were giving him the standing ovation, he like just looked around the like took off his oh mask and looked I around was, the stadium. I was borderline in tears. That was, was awesome. It was wonderful. Oh my god, it was one of the best things I've seen. 
because you always hear people tell minor leaguers to take it in when you make it to the majors. He literally did. He turned yeah. around, looked at everyone cheering. It looked like he was about to cry, and then got down and caught. I mean, I love that. Mm, I can. I know. I've become familiar with the Orioles a lot because my brother, and my dad are both Orioles fans, and it are seems. Really? Oh yeah. It's a kind oh, wow. of a. It's kind of a mix over here. Well bit. But um, with so Rushman's now up. When you look at the teams that are struggling right now, like the Orioles or the A's or Pittsburgh or the Nationals, all those teams, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, you definitely would know the Orioles' future better than I would. The Orioles seem like they're in a very good spot in terms of the future. Absolutely. Seem- no, I hold, they do. It's great. I mean, their minor league system is one of the best in baseball. I think it was the best going into this season, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Um I've been loving what I've been seeing, and the Orioles have a clear idea for what they want for their future. I mean, all their minor leaguers right now, they look like they're panning out down in AAA and AA. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they pan out in the majors, because I really, really want them to, because we're banking on so much with this. Because the Orioles as a whole, over like the Buck Showalter, Dan Duquette era, which is like the entirety of the, two, the early, two, like the late 2000s and uh, 2010s, mm-hmm. It was just buy players. Don't worry about the miners. Buy all everyone you can get. Trade for players. And now we're focusing on the future, and it looks great. I mean, this I, I don't love the fact that we've been losing really badly for the past few seasons, but it's par for the course, I guess. You got to trust the process. You got to do what the Cubs did. Mm-hmm. Trust that process. Yep. And that's what we're doing. And hopefully, we're playoff contenders by 24. That that's the plan, at least. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I like the direction the Orioles are going and going with the more homegrown players aspect of it rather than trying just to buy everyone like the Dodgers too. But do you think doing the Orioles strategy going forward and given how good the AL East is right now, you think they can compete with the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays and Red Sox? That's a good question. Um, I will say I'm not sure how good the Red Sox are going to be over the next few seasons because they don't really have that great of a minor league system. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not bad, but it's, it's kind of middle of the pack. The Blue Jays are going to be good for a while. They have an entirely young team, so I expect them to be very good for a while. The Yankees, I'm not so sure, because they're getting old. They, they have a bit of an older roster. A judge is in his 30s now. Uh, Stanton is in his, mid, is in his early 30s. Um, Gallo, I don't see him being there for a very long time. <laughs> um and there's a whole debate as to whether he's a good player or not. And the fact that there's even a debate about it is just strange to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not so sure how good the Yankees are going to be in the future. I mean, I know the Rays are probably going to stick around for a while because they somehow always find a way to win with trading major league talent. Um, so I think the Orioles can contend. I don't think they're going to contend for the division. I think they're going to go for a wild card spot because I think that's just kind of the safest spot to go for at this point. Mm-hmm. Um I don't see them winning the division anytime soon, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, I think they can contend. I don't think they're gonna, you know, blow anyone away. But I mean, until they make the playoffs, I think that'll be the time they blow everyone away, mm-hmm. just kind of by default. I definitely, um, I definitely would be very excited. Excited for right now, yeah, it obviously stinks. But in terms of the future aspect, I'd be very pumped if I were an Orioles fan. Right now, no, it I seems am. like they're in a great yeah. spot. Absolutely. Now, I know a lot of Orioles fans who are super, super excited for the guys you have in the minors, and they, they just they look so good, and hopefully they, you know, hopefully we turn over a new leaf, really. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we, we just, I like the idea of starting over. I've loved that idea for a while. I loved what the Cubs did, 
and hopefully we can sort of do that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that happen. You know, just have basically an entire roster of homegrown players. But I don't know. I just really, really want us to make good trades and just stock up that minor league roster mm-hmm. and just wait for them to come up because that, that's what I'm excited for, really. Awesome. So last thing uh, uh, to talk about before I give you my surprise question is, so I found you on TikTok. Uh, you commented on one of my videos regarding Trevor Bauer, and then I was like, all right, I like this guy. And then I was looking at some of your videos, and you post in a good way. I like all of your takes. You have a lot of, uh, I guess, hot takes. Like you had one yesterday with Chase Otley that I loved because I'm not at all remotely even close to 1% of a fan of Chase Otley. Uh, I saw your video about uh, Barry Bonds and Derek Jeter. So do you, what is your, like with the hot takes, is that like, are you, what's your thing with that, I guess? It's probably a weird way to word it, but. I think I understand what you mean. So the reason why I kind of give the takes that I give, it's a lot of people think it's for the views. I've seen so many people say, oh, you're doing it for the views. It's like, no, I Mm -hmm. have almost 20,000 followers. I don't need to do anything for views anymore. (laughs) And I never did, quite frankly. I never did. Um, But, um, and that that sounded so conceited, and I apologize for that. (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) I'm just realizing it did. Um, But um, my main thing is I love starting conversations with my community, and I have a wonderful, wonderful community. I'm so happy that I do. Mm -hmm. And I love sparking, like, really interesting conversations. So Barry Bonds, I have a very sort of black and white take with him, and it's that he's the home run king, regardless if he did steroids or not, because he literally has the most home runs in Major League history. Yeah. He, by default, is the home run king. Yeah. A lot of people say it should go to Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, this, that, and the third, and I'm just like, no, it shouldn't, because mm-hmm. he hit the most. It's it's not, you can't just nullify what he did because of steroids. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you sort of can, in a way... Because he probably wouldn't have had the incredible career in San Francisco that he did with steroids. Not the point. The reason why I like making these kind of hot takes is to spark conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I love doing on my account is just starting conversation, spreading it to other you know parts of baseball, TikTok, other other communities, and that's just my favorite thing to do is just have conversations about baseball. You know, hear different perspectives because if you hear one perspective, it just gets boring after a while. Sitting in an echo chamber of people like, "Yep, yep, I agree. Yep, absolutely. Yep." So, I kind of think of a take, and if I don't necessarily agree with the masses, I'll vocalize that. Mm-hmm. Um, I vocalized my my um, opinion on Derek Jeter that I think he was he is the most overrated player to have ever play the game of Major League Baseball, um, and I, I stand by that. That's not for views. I genuinely believe he's extremely overrated. If you look at his metrics, I mean they're not they're not insane. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll say. He's not a t- he's not the best shortstop of all time. And when I hear people say that, it's just like, it's just not. Yeah, I would not. agree. I would agree with that. Like, yeah, he was good, and his fr- him from a person standpoint, like an actual person, everyone praises that he's one of the nicest people ever. Okay, fine, cool. that's fair. But when you're talking the greatest of all time, it's hard not to ignore the fact that, in, at least in Jeter's case, it he I didn't realize this until a year or two ago. He never won an MVP. Yeah, he never won one. So to have the conversation of he's the greatest of all time, but then you, when you look at his career accolades and his career numbers, he's never won an MVP. He was part of the Yankees dynasty in the late 90s, early 2000s, but right. not having an MVP is kind of hard to overlook, especially when you're looking at 
um, what some of the all-time greats do. No, I agree with you. I think he's a Hall of Fame caliber player. I'm not going to say he's not. Naturally, he is. Um, but I think the fact that he played in New York and had a squeaky clean record, unless you're, unless you're a Miami Marlins fan. Hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and we're praised for being a good person, and we're a clubhouse leader, and won a lot of rings. That'll, that will overrate you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it will. Um, with his all-star appearances, I mean, with what, like, he started nine all-star games, and in five of them, he was not the best shortstop in baseball by the all-star break. That's, I think that's that's something I remember researching. Um, he was definitely a little bit overrated, mm-hmm. I think. But the thing that I think a lot of my community and a lot of um, people who have since joined my community from that video, um, maybe I haven't made clear, is that when I say overrated, it doesn't mean he's bad. Overrated does not equate to being bad. And I think that's what a lot of people have a hard time keeping in mind when you hear the word overrated. It's like, oh yeah, Tom Brady's okay overrated because, you know, his stats aren't great, but he won a lot of rings. Like, no, that doesn't mean he's bad. It just means he isn't one of the best who've ever done it. Mm-hmm. But that's just that, that's just an example that I've heard around like, the NFL community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Jeter, he's definitely, he definitely became overrated through playing in New York. That's the biggest reason, in my opinion, because the lights shine the brightest in New York. The media loved him and painted him to be this golden boy and stuff like that. And he, he was. But he wasn't the best of all time when it comes to the shortstop position. Mm-hmm. It, it just wasn't. Um, there's a few shortstops I put in front of him. And even Brian Cashman, when Derek Jeter approached him for an extension, even he said, there are other shortstops I'd rather have in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like, when your own GM says that about you, what does that kind of say? Yeah. Like, low-key, what does that say, you know? Exactly. Oh, the other guy you mentioned was Barry Bonds. Quick little side question here. Do you think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame? Um, yes and no. The, and the reason why I'll say no first, steroids. Mm-hmm. Easily. I, I, don't li- I don't like people who took steroids being in the Hall of Fame. I agree 100%. And, uh, David Ortiz, he arguably shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. Because he did, uh, he, did, um, he did not pass a steroid... Um, uh, a, a, um, a, what was it, a urine test, I think? Or was it a ster- I don't know what kind of test it was. But he didn't pass it. Mm-hmm. And he was in the report, um, in, in the steroid report in the early 2000s. He was in that, as, as someone who did take it. But, I mean, no one cares because everyone loved him. Yeah. Was, uh, once again, he was painted out to be this golden boy in Boston. And in many ways, he was. He was a great person, from what I've read. Mm-hmm. And he seems like an awesome human being. But, if there's even a question as to whether you took steroids or not, and there's a little bit of evidence to say you did and some evidence to say you didn't, does that put you in? Because I feel like it shouldn't. But with Bonds, we know he did take it. It's just that it was sort of covered up a little bit, mm-hmm. low-key, because there was an investigation and he did tamper with evidence. He actually did tamper with his own evidence that he took steroids. So I understand why he's not in. Also, the character clause is a massive thing. We, I didn't even mention that about Bonds. Yeah. The media hated him. Oh, my God. The media absolutely despised Bonds. Same with Clemens. That's why he's not in. Kurt Schilling, too. Kurt Schilling, too. Yeah, exactly. He shot himself in the foot, Kurt Schilling, that he would have been in the Hall of Fame, but he just couldn't keep his his mouth shut, and that's exactly why he's not. But if we're talking about pure talent, and we're we're ignoring anything outside of baseball, he's a slam-dunk first ballot Hall of Famer, not even a question. Steroids, outside of baseball, in my opinion. That's an out of... That's that's an um, an in-game... kind of trait 
that's something outside of that's, some, that's something outside of the outside of the diamond. If we're talking about what he does on the diamond, all nine innings of a baseball game, he is the greatest player to have ever played the game of baseball. He should be in. I mean, I don't know why that's still even a debate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to look at the you you look at the numbers, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. His personality doesn't doesn't matter. It's what you do on the field that mm-hmm. makes you the best to have ever done it. And he just was. So he should be in, but he's not going to be in. His legacy is going to get tarnished. I mean, he did that himself. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, he was the best to have ever done it. Yeah. So he should be in. Does he have? But he's not. He's not going to. Does he have one more year left, or was this past year? No, he's his, done. He's no, he's, he's done, done, right? Because I saw. No. Because I couldn't remember which if he had one more or if he was done, and then someone was saying, "Oh, the Giants should sign him to a one-year deal, so that way he's <laughs> his uh, time would reset for the Hall of Fame." That's true. It would. That's absolutely true. It would do that. That's a really weird loophole. But he's he's still. If I understand how the process works, I think he still could get in by the Veterans Committee. I don't absolutely. think yep. he will get in that way. I but don't think so either. if I agree with what you're saying, because the character clause with a lot of guys is gonna hurt them but when you look if you look at guys that are already in the hall of fame i feel very confident saying that not every single person in the hall of fame was a perfect human being off the baseball field so absolutely in the hall of fame is supposed to be this is what the best that have ever stepped between the lines kind of thing absolutely that's what it should be but it's kind of become politics at this point Mm -hmm. it's kind of become who is the most politically correct players were they good enough to get in not were they the best of their time, were they good enough and were they politically correct to get into the Hall of Fame? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it just, it's, it's, it doesn't hold as much weight to it as it used to, the Hall of Fame. It doesn't. Yeah. I think the the writers, uh, the, a lot of debate has been with the writers, like the guys that don't vote at all. I know me personally, if I was ever in my lifetime, in my career, given the honor of voting for someone for the Hall of Fame, I would take that extremely seriously. I wouldn't go up there and try to make a statement and be like, well, I'm not voting for anyone because I think it's because of steroids or I'm not going to, or I'm going to only vote for this guy because even though he did steroids, he should be in or something like that. Like I've seen pictures when the guys that vote post their ballots and I've seen like two or three of them that don't vote for anyone. And I sit there like I would borderline kill to have your vote. I don't know why you would try and make a state like take advantage of that and try and make a statement with that. Right. No, I understand that. I know. I think Jeff Passan couldn't he vote as well, and he just decided not to. I think that's what he did. I think. I, I think so. I th- I could be completely wrong, but I think that's what he did. And it's just like when I hear that, it's like, look, I love Jeff Passan. He's a he's a funny personality. I love him when he's on the um, uh, when he's on the Pat McAfee show. It's so oh, funny I love to Pat McAfee show and passing oh, pass on too. Twitter. Passing on Twitter on two is he's a bit of a savage when it comes to he is. He when is, it comes though. to trolling people. Oh my god, he absolutely is. Um, but when I hear that the voters aren't just, are just choosing not to vote, it's like then give your vote to someone else. You know, mm-hmm. let someone else have the opportunity to decide what players are going to get to the Hall of Fame or not. Mm-hmm. Don't just leave it out in the open because if you do that, that could be a deciding vote. Between someone getting in and not getting in. Yeah, I think so, it was two... Was it two years ago where no one got in? Or no one got yes. enough votes, I think it was? Two years ago, maybe? Yeah, so it was two years ago, because last year, only David Ortiz got in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was two years ago where no one got inducted. Now it's the first time that happened in, what, like, over 50 years, I think? Yeah, I heard that, like, because they had the cool intro with, I think it was Tom Verducci, like, going through his va- ballot and all that, 
And then the guy came up and was like, no one got inducted. And I was like, how do you have a year where you don't induct anyone? That Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, how did that happen? Mm. So the last question I have for you is, of all uh, the moments that you... This is kind of the surprise question, but it's hopefully not a trick right. question. So of right. any moment you've witnessed, Orioles, it could be any team. It doesn't have to be just the Orioles. Whether it's in person, on TV... Uh, you were listening on the radio, whatever the case is. What is the best moment that you remember witnessing? Hmm, that's a good question. The easy answer as an Oriole fan would be Delman Young's bases clearing double Ooh. in the American League Divisional Series 2014 versus Detroit. That was an amazing moment for me because I remember just I, I, was, I was driving by uh, Camden Yards, I think. I was just leaving school, and, and school is sort of near Camden Yards, but not exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you could hear it. You could hear the stadium erupting, and it was like what? what it, it was like a very quiet sound. But then I looked, then I was watching the game, and it was deafening. Watching, you know, just the entirety of Baltimore just uniting behind one player, Delman Young. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, kind of not a great person, but anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> That's my favorite Oriole moment. My favorite non-Oriole moment was... Um, hmm, that's another interesting one, too. Um, probably the Nationals winning the 2019 World Series. Oh. And I'm a part Nationals fan. I grew up watching the Nationals as well when you know the Orioles weren't playing. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of become a Nationals fan. Um, I love Juan Soto. He's one of my favorite players. And it was nice seeing that National squad come back from just nowhere near a playoff opportunity in what what may to beating the Dodgers beating the Cardinals and then going to the World Series and winning against the cheating Astros you Mm -hmm. love to see a great story like that now Mm -hmm. if you look at the Nationals now I mean obviously yeah (laughs) yeah yeah tragedy has struck safe to say but um, that's my favorite non-Oriole moment and um, if I had to choose a non- favorite team moment I would say it's probably um, just you could choose any given moment uh, from the 2017 World Series because that regardless of what the Astros did before I actually knew about it it was a wonderful World Series so that was oh, my yeah. favorite that was my favorite World Series to witness as a baseball fan was usually. it was it game five the back and forth that was like 13-12 or something like that game four or five with Bregman's walk off one of those two yeah it was and one of those two, yeah. I don't remember which one, but it was a wonderful game. That was one of that one, and then the game four in the 2020 World Series when Brett with Brett Phillips walk off. The, oh, that was amazing. Those were some of the best baseball games I had ever watched. I didn't care that it took forever. I didn't care that it was so long to watch. It was by the end of it, I was like, wow, that was absolutely awesome. Now that games like those like make you excited. Like, mm-hmm. I was, like, on my feet, like, screaming. I, it was, like, it, like I was with my friends. We were all just, like, hyped up. And we didn't like any of those teams in the World Series, but it was so exciting. When you can make non, you know, fans of that team excited for you, that says something. Mm-hmm. That's how I was with Brett Phillips' walk-off. I was sitting on the couch. On one end of the couch, my mom was on the other, and we were watching the game. And I wrote for... Uh, a small little website at the time and I was writing I started writing the recap because I was like alright this it's we're going to the bottom of the ninth I was like alright I could probably start writing it up get a little bit of a head start so I started talking about the Dodgers winning and all that and right as I finished typing the last paragraph 
Phillips hit it, and I remember, like, throwing my, not literally throwing it, but, like, throwing my computer on the couch and, like, standing up, and I was, like, in disbelief. I was screaming. I was, like, I cannot believe I just watched this happen. <laughs> just him, just with his arms out, just, like, airplaning around. That was wonderful. I mm-hmm. loved that. I love Brett Phillips. He's such an awesome player. He's great I do, for the game. I do, too. Did you see what, uh, the beginning of the year, he had a thing where, like, he had a, there was a fan there, a Rays fan, that was, like, holding up a sign that was like you're my number one fan or something like that and i think the girl had yes, cancer or something like that and then he hit a homer for yes. her and he started crying he's he's instantly become one of my favorite players to watch he is exactly what baseball needs he is just a wonderful character not an a-hole like a lot of players are mm-hmm. and he just he loves the game he relishes every moment of it and the cool thing a little a little pound the back for me here he commented on one of my videos once I oh really yeah, I thought that was absolutely amazing. Like, a lot of people tagged him. Because so I was setting my goals for 2022. It was, like, like January 2nd. And I was setting my goals. And it was, like, one of the most to interact with a major league baseball player or professional player in any capacity. And he commented. He was like, what's up, what's up brother? I'm like, <laughs> you said brother? <laughs> Damn, are we cool now? Are we cool like that? What's going on? Like, I thought that was so cool. That was one of the coolest moments ever on TikTok for me. So That's that's awesome. Uh, but thank you for taking the time to come on before we sign off where can everybody that's uh listening find you on social media well to all the listeners my name is jack or daily dose of baseball on tiktok it's just daily dose of baseball like i just mentioned um and that's pretty much the only platform actually i'm really active on i don't use my instagram i don't use twitter i make all sorts of videos whatever kind of baseball idea you could think of i probably made a video on it so if you want to find me daily dose of baseball on tiktok and make sure that y'all have a good one Stay off of Mets Twitter. I promise you, it's it's for oh my God. it's for the, the most best. toxic place I've ever <laughs> been. Oh my God, it's toxic. It is toxic. Oh, yeah. Or Yankee Twitter. Or oh, Yankee yeah. Twitter. Yeah, it's a it's a great time over here. But, stay uh, off New York. Stay off New New York Twitter, really. So, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye.